0: This was recorded at the 22nd Chinwag Live event, Moso so Rising, on 11th November 2008 at the Slug and Lettuce in Soho, London. The panel featured Justin Davis from Buddy Ping, Alfie Denon from Moblog, Harry Blunden from What If Digital, Roy Shelton from Next to Friends, with Bina Roberts from Gomo News and Visibility Mobile chairing. It was sponsored by the UKTI. The event was produced by Julia Island for Chinwag.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much, um, Chinwag. And um, before I start, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. I am the editor of Gomo News. And if you don't know Gomo News, please check it out. It is a blog on mobile advertising, search, social networks. And we've been going for about two years. And we've got lots of Of amazing traffic. So uh, it's definitely the source of new media today. Um, I'm here because of mobile social networking and we've got a distinguished panel. What I thought I'd do is I'd start off by asking everyone to introduce themselves for a couple of minutes and then I would go into a kind of elevator pitch and I have prepared several questions but I'm hoping to make this as interactive as possible possible. Um, uh, So just so I get an idea of what our crowd is like, who is here because they are social, mobile social networking gurus? (laughs) Oh, one man in the back there. Oh, oh, you're pointing at someone else Two. Okay. (laughs) Who is here because they don't know what social network, mobile social networking is? Thank you for being so honest. No need to hide. Well done. And who is from a mobile se- social networking provider? Okay. One, two. And everyone, nearly everyone on the panel apart from Harry. Just,
2: just a question. Who's here for the free drinks and the free food? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be music free. It's going to
1: be music. Be music. No. Oh, Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. I've suddenly got three glasses of wine, so you know why I'm here. But no, okay. So, well, without any further ado, I think we should start. Um, uh, Roy, um, uh, would you like to tell us your full name and uh, your company, please?
3: Yes, my name is Roy and I'm an alcoholic. um, (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I'm Roy Shelton. I'm the CEO of uh, a real-time mobile social network called Next to Friends. Um, The company's been around for a little over a year now. Um, We're growing both in terms of uh, page views and and members. Um, We are going through a bit of a turmoil at the moment, trying to understand how to make bloody money out of all of this. Um, And I'm hoping tonight will allow me to share some of my experiences of what we've done right, what we've done not so right and what we've done blatantly wrong. Um, I've been around the tech space for about 20 years now, typically in VC-funded businesses. This is my first venture into um, social networking, and I feel like the oldest man in the room. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good evening. So thank you for coming.
1: Okay, um, just to expand, nexttofriends.com, if you want to go and check it out. You basically download um, software that makes you instantly... Live video to nexttofriends.com site, so it's instant. You can see your recording, and it's addictive once you start. I'm a member. Sign up and be my friend. And then we have um, Har- Harry. Harry. Harry, the analyst of the of the evening.
4: So hello, I'm Harry Blunden. I'm head of digital at the innovation company What If, um, and what we do is help companies come up with new products and services and brands at What If. Um, In the digital (coughs) team, predictably, I suppose, we help people come up with digital products and services. And so our clients, people like telcos, broadcasters, technology companies, um, old media companies trying to adapt to the terrifying future, um, that type of thing. Um, So that's me.
1: Okay, so when we want an industry perspective, I will be pointing my finger at you. Okay. Okay. And Alfie, if you don't know Alfie, he's everywhere. He's Mr. Blogger, Mr. Social Networker. Alfie.
5: Um, well, uh, my name is Alfie Dillon. Um, I run a mobile blogging company called Moblog. And we, uh, on one hand, provide mobile blogging to consumers and one uh, on the other to businesses like Universal or Channel 4. Um, And I also do a lot of personal projects which tend to use uh, different elements of both online, web and digital and mobile bits and pieces to try and do new and fun things. Um, But they tend to revolve around my interest in mobile blogging and what's going to happen with how people tend to use mobiles over the next few years.
1: Okay, who here has a mobile blog? One. Anyone else? Two. Come on, I want to say three desperately. Who,
5: who sends Quite content more. from their phones to the web? There we go.
1: Okay, very good. <laughs> well done, Alfie. And um, Justin, Mr. LBS.
2: Kind of. Uh, my name is Justin Davis. I'm the founder and technical director of 9010. Um, I, I hate the term, but we're a new media consultancy, so we, we help uh, companies basically sort out what they're actually doing online and on the mobile as well. Um, one of the first services we actually developed is a consumer location-based social mobile networking site called buddyping.com. Um, all about location, where you are, where your friends are, and, and what you're doing and what they're doing as well. A couple of our other customers also include Nokia and Channel 4 as well, where we use our show, social media platform uh, to be able to help them uh, basically get more people in, interested in what they're doing um, and actually sorting out you know, the, the wheat from the chaff, I guess, is the best way. We just use social media to be able to... Um, find ideas, find things which are going on and and use really interesting mathematics well, I find find it interesting anyway interesting mathematics to be able to uh, figure out nice stuff like that
1: Okay, but in essence it's location-based services but within a social network
2: Buddy Ping is, yes The other things we do aren't specifically uh, around location Um, it's more about social media and how we can actually use that to be able to help companies actually do things better for their customers and for their clients as well
1: Okay, who here uses location-based services? Good. Oh, my God. That's the most n- amount of raised hands I've ever seen in my entire life. What
6: do you, what do you mean by
5: location-based services? Are you talking about Google Maps? I, I'm here. Or are you talking about, like, I'm my name's just
1: store and I'm here to it? I suppose it's any kind of um, use of location on your mobile device. I think the first ones were something like Vodafone. Oh, we have Guru in the back here. Go on, then. What's the fundamental difference? I'm
5: here to need to get somewhere. I'm here
4: want a pie.
5: Yep.
1: I think that's a very good How point. How many people have
5: stood outside a pie shop wanting a pie and an avid that was told, you know, given to them, that said, there are pies here. No one's had that because it doesn't exist. Not really. Good
1: point, too.
5: Okay, different question.
1: Yeah, no, no, very good point as well. Hey, no, I like this. Keep going.
2: How many Sorry? people have got an iPhone? Oh No, I think he means in general. He
5: doesn't
2: mean <laughs> me at all. <laughs> I mean, mo- mo- mobile location-based services are an interesting thing, and I think we'll probably talk about this on a panel this evening, but you know, this enablers out there, and the iPhone is the biggest one at the moment, that has location built in, and some of the Android phones which will be coming out also have location built in as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. How many people use Google Maps on a daily basis? Can I just get a show of hands? Yeah, so everyone knows what location is and how it's relevant to them. If you're searching for something, you want to find, you know, you want to see your street or anything else like that, then that's an interesting way of doing it. The mobile phone, everyone who has an iPhone probably has used the where am I, find me, locate me. Um, So, yeah, we'll talk more about this this evening, I guess.
1: Okay, but I think that's interesting. Um, I don't think buying is the only thing. Who would use location to find a date?
5: <laughs> it depends how drunk you, know, you are, really.
7: <laughs> <laughs> but, but
1: hold on. Isn't, isn't that an absolutely fantastic point? It depends how drunk you are. You know, you get all these services on your phone... You need to find the right time for when you want to use them. It might not be every day, but at least if they're there, you have, you have the possibility. I mean, flirting is the biggest social network right now. Look at the likes of Flirtomatic, the 3G dating agency. There's huge potential out there. Oh, God, I've just gone all echoey. But OK, so um, because everyone's in the mood, should I just start first off with questions and let's see if anyone wants to start the ball rolling?
3: Like
1: some? Yeah, no, now everyone goes. Oh, Mr. Guru in the back, go on. Would you like to say your name? I'm desperate to know.
3: No, the
4: question is
5: Yeah, I think it has everything to do with it. I mean, I think the thing about LBS is that it's in two flavors, right? It's what you uh, want to go and do, practically speaking. You need to go somewhere, and so you look for a map. Then maybe you'll use Nokia maps, or you'll use an analog of that, on the or the Google Maps on the iPhone. And so you're in a mobile environment <coughs> using a practical location-based service. So, sorry, so, um, I was going to say is basically,
4: talking about... Um, the ability for mobiles to connect people together in a way that they couldn't be connected before—you know—beyond yeah. text, beyond, it's, it's
5: being able to share. Well, outside of having sex with someone at two in the morning because you're drunk. Yes, I guess we are talking <laughs> about that. But, but I mean, that's the broader topic, isn't it? It's like, how does mobile properly leverage location, which is an implicit part of mobile, which it's not currently doing very well. Um, although the iPhone is a good first impression of that.
1: I think what you said is very mobile social networking 1.0, and everyone here on the panel has a more advanced service. Well, this is what well, we're I think here that. For. Um, from if you just stop talking and listen, we might we might find out in a minute. Yeah, but um,
7: a,
4: from Harry my...
1: from the industry, can you answer that man's question? Well, I don't,
4: I don't know if I'm really speaking from the industry's perspective, but from from my perspective and from the perspective of the projects that we do, um, we don't really separate out things like location from mobile social networking and try and create these categories because from the consumer perspective I think ultimately people will just want to do things and I'll have needs which get met and it'll be a combination of different enablers which will be pulled together into a useful service which is what they're going to actually be using. So maps, I might have a map which doesn't actually know where I am and I have to tell it where I am, or the advantage a better service would be one which places me at the center and then puts things around it. If one is location-based and one isn't, I don't really see that. I think that's a kind of a bit of an argument which it doesn't really make much sense to get into. Um, I think in the longer term, um, when things get more sophisticated, all of these different enablers will bleed together in a way to provide quite a unified and advanced um, solution to consumers, and that's when it's going to get most interesting.
5: I think um, what was interesting about the when we were doing emails between the panellists talking about what we might talk about, but there were some really, really good practical questions. Because one of the things that, <clears throat> that drives us, because ultimately we all need to make money, is how the hell do we make money out of these, in many cases, completely you know, um, uh, non-existent services? And how do we build them and what's going to happen? So we came up with some good questions, I think.
1: We did. Well, shall I start them? I mean, you know what, just for the sake of starting at the very beginning. I know I'm going to sound like Julie Andrews in a minute, but why don't we just go through maybe an elevator pitch for your specific business. What is mobile... So, Harry, you're excluded, I'm sorry. But what is, your, what is the mobile social network for you within the company?
3: I think if you'd have asked me a year ago, it would have been totally different. Um, now it's the ability to bring... The mobile space and the, uh, the the internet space together in in absolute real time, so to allow people to broadcast video to upload photographs, to interact with their friends and their family in absolute real time while they 're on the move because whether we like it or not, all of our friends, society family our colleagues are becoming more and more mobile these days you know. People are deserting their fixed lines to go mobile. That's why we see a huge explosion in in, in, uh, in data services and things like that. And, you know, where we were a year ago, naively, we actually thought that we could charge a subscription for using mobile streaming. And then we thought we could build a business model around mobile advertising. And both of them things have proven to be wrong. And the way that we're building our business out now with some significant traction is to become a white label label enabler of real-time mobile social networks.
1: Alfie? Uh,
5: Well, that was just so wickedly frank. I mean, the thing about mobile, I think, is that um, we're just not quite in a space yet where people are, wow, I'm just totally looking for this amazing new mobile thing, and I'm going to look for it on my mobile. Of course they're not going to. And what's interesting is that you said that this was a perfect way to marry web and mobile services together into a whole. And I think that's the only way that you'll really get people using their mobile devices to do things with them is when you then use and leverage the web and what that's good for. So you do all the cool socially stuff online, but ultimately you use the phone as a vector. And I think I really agree with that. It's what's worked for Moblog as well. And what's doubly interesting, and I think Justin will agree with me, is that, um, well, two things. First, that right now... And I think through 2009, there's not much of a chance of massive traction in mobile-only social networking where you do not have a carrier deal in place or at least a very good way of having a lot of on-deck or, you know, uh, portal space. Because there's just not enough consumer interest in seeking out mobile social environments because they're kind of saturated anyway. Um, And the second part is that we, like yourselves, found that white labeling, part of what we did out to clients, was a really viable way to make money. And so now we make uh, mobile blogging environments off of our main install rather than a separate platform installs for uh, loads of people from, you know... Because the thing is, mobile blogging is really core to what most businesses are seeing as being the clear next thing that they should do in new media because people are creating content on their handsets so we do loads of mobile works for loads of different companies and that's how we make money there's no traction on advertising there's no traction on mobile advertising because you don't have the scale that comes with having a carrier deal and so it's still although we talk about it being a mature market it's not a mature market actually there's a good few years to go before it is that so i think practically speaking there's a lot of ways you can make money but it's still quite guerrilla it's not you know
1: i well, i'll come to questions in one second i'll just let justin say his piece
2: yeah, I think, the, um, I think the whole field of mobile social networking is an interesting one. Um, my little sister recently got a brand new mobile phone. And I was watching how, what she was doing and how she was discovering what the services were on that phone. Um, to a, what we in the industry seem to class as what we call normobs, normal mobile users, if you look at how they actually use their mobile phone, they like what's on the phone and then they'll discover what's on the phone as well, but... Mobile social networking is about taking the power of the mobile phone. The mobile phone is with you all the time. And from a technological point of view, it has a camera on it. Most mobile phones now have a location element to it as well. Um, Most people are used to using the mobile phone as a a computer terminal compared to the, the PC as well. So it's an extremely personal device. In terms of making money from it, we're not there. And I don't think we will be there for a good 18 to 36 months in terms of being able to have a really strong revenue model from this. But I think, as Alfie said... The operators and the handset manufacturers. It looks like they're going to be really key to this. You know, you've got the likes of Hutchinson 3, uh, 3G uh, launching INQ um, soon, which seems to have some kind of social element to it, which is going to be built into the phone. And the power of just being able to take a photograph and say, <clears throat> sorry, and say, I want to share this with my address book. And bearing in mind that your address book is the most personal thing that you have on the mobile phone. Forget Facebook. Forget anything else. Your, your phone book on your mobile phone. is is usually the people that you know. So if I take a photograph and I say, I want to share it with 20 people, I don't want to share and send an MMS to 20 different people. It'd be great if my mobile phone had a way of just saying, Justin has just posted a photograph, in the same way that we look at Facebook or Flickr, to be able to say, this is a photograph you posted. This photograph was posted 20 miles away from you, and these are the relevant things that this, this photograph has to you. You can say, well, status updates, photographs, videos, anything else which you want to share on your mobile phone as it being a producer of content and also being a consumer of content as well. You can have a mobile social network which has no internet relevance whatsoever. It's purely mobile. And that is where you get the power. If Nokia, for example, released a a lovely social application which said, I want to post my location to these people in my address book. And by the way, because everyone else who has a Nokia phone who's in my address book also has this application built into the phone. You don't have to download it. It's just there. And that is extremely powerful. And I think that's where we're going to see real traction in mobile social networking. Stuff which so, what you're doing is... Ab- that's absolute
3: fucking <laughs> <clears throat> Um, absolute I've, got,
5: I've,
1: I've got... Excuse novel. me, we've got a queue of questions but that's, here.
5: that's yeah, actually... I, uh, John, that is happening. That's happening. I mean, especially if you look at Nokia, they've almost reinvented themselves as a purely internet-based company.
1: Excuse me, we have a queue of questions. Can you please wait your turn and not butt in? Can we start over here? No, I'm sorry. Three people have put their hands up and I've asked them to wait, so I'm asking you to wait now as well. The man over there in the brown... No, it was first that man there in the, in the brown. Would you say your name as well, please? Jay right,
6: this is doesn't seem to be. No. Do
1: you want to come Go
6: up here, Jay? Jay. I've got a booming voice. <laughs> I'm Jay from Blick. Uh, we are the uh, 16 to 24-year-old youth uh, network. And I, I get what you're saying. I'm not going to I'm not gonna basically explain about Blick. It's up to you guys to, to take on board what I'm saying here. But in saying that the ad-funded model isn't here and it's not, not mature enough, I think we're proving it, and basically we're, we're, we've set up that actually social networking isn't about the
7: technical ability of the phone or LDMs or whatever it is. It is actually about the community of the user, and that's probably
6: where...
5: But, well, it's, it's, going it's going such up. a massively different idea. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. There is, of course, an ad-funded model, but what I was saying when I was saying that it's very difficult is because the only route to there... It is not really available to small companies, to small startups. You have to have these carrier deals. You can be ad-funded, and of course it works, but you have to have scale. Book yeah. has some scale, and also you charge above yeah. the board because of your incredible targeting advertising ability. No, I mean, so I it's very different. I
6: understood, but I think what, what the initial question was with regarding social networking. Straight away is the fact that it's not all about the technical ability of the phone or the network. It is actually about the user and the actual community that's created from the group within. So I think that may, may have been... I didn't hear it. I'm not saying that you're, you guys are wrong. Mm. I'm just saying I didn't hear that, that aspect of it.
1: But, Jay, you are at MVNO. You're not a social network. I think that's something you have to... You might want to be a social network, but at the end of the day, Blick is an MVNO.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you, can, you, can class, you can class Blick as basically being the enabler f, you know, for that social network. You are the... You know, the MVNO is, is the enabler for that social network. I totally, absolutely agree with you on that point of view, and Blick has been very, you know, very successful in what they've done as well in terms of saying that mobile advertising works because that's the entire basis of the MVNO that you actually have is that, you know, a 19... Is it 19 to 24-year-olds? sorry 16 20 year olds sign up for the service and they'll receive advertising which is very very relevant to them and that's fantastic but you can do that because you are the mvno you are the enabler for that community already if you're talking about external people you know if you're talking about brands or you're talking about media companies who actually want to engage people who aren't an mvno then how how do you actually do that you know how do you do you make money or is it just a case of brand awareness? Which, of course, brand awareness is, is perfect for what you're doing because it's all about the brands that you're associated with, isn't it? For everyone else who isn't an MNO or an MVNO, it, it's very difficult to be able to say we can make money or this is how we I, make I money. Yeah. Uh, my I agree.
6: My point is more about it's creating that community. It's not about the, the, it's not about the technical ability or the service operator. And I'm, yeah. Although I'm speaking from Blick... I'm actually speaking from the observation of what what, what goes
1: on. But. Great. Thank you, Jay. And long, young lady there with the grey top on.
8: Hello.
5: My name is Hadassah. I'm from WebJam. We develop a platform for individuals, brands, organizations to create social networks. And the question is about the model of the white label. And the, my question is, who's going to be the partner who will buy the white label? Because presumably... Obviously, the operators, the BBC, the big brands will, will spend a bit of money on this for the short term, but they are looking for real results very, very quickly. Whereas social networks
8: in the established internet world still don't make any money.
3: No, I think you're absolutely right. And um, when we decided to launch our white label model, it was, uh, it was interesting where the inquiries actually came from. It was other niche social networking sites that didn't have a mobile capability, that saw mobile as an absolute key differentiator and a, and, a, and a key value proposition to their their survival going forward. And one of the major inquiries that, we've, uh, that we're dealing with at the moment, without sort of naming too many names, um, is a gay social networking site. And they've got 3 million members, and 600,000 of them pay $10 a month, so it's a $72 million a year business, and the website is abysmal. So when we went to them with a proposition that um, you could stream video or you could take a photograph or upload things in real time from your handset to the web, one of their guys actually said to me, he said, so I could take a photograph of two different guys in a bar and post it to the web and get a real-time poll on which one I should sleep with tonight. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and I, and I said yeah absolutely if that 's what you want to do and and that 's why they were so sold on it. but the majority of our inquiries are not coming out of telcos because i 'm trying to avoid them like the plague because their sales cycles are just too long they don 't want to pay enough money, and they just sap the the blood out of uh, out of startups like next to friends. You know the vast majority of the inquiries that we have come from retail providers. And the reason for that is because when we did our, our funding round in May of this year, we teamed up with um, the world's largest retail property developer to develop an on mall application for those guys so they could roll it out to their retail tenants to target people not just based on location but based on profile and based on buying, buying habits.
5: Um, and if I can just add to that as well... Um, I think it depends a lot on how much funding you've taken and what kind of um exit that the company's looking for, which will determine the strategy that you need to take to be able to make the sales in a white label environment but it's very clear that um if you go white label rather than doing really broad you know all comers. Be very specific. Know about the niche projects. Do the research into whether it's broadcast print, regional print. Look at where the requirement is and then tailor your pitches towards what people actually need. Maybe it's as much as um, looking towards what films are coming out in three months and pitching universal. You know, um, But then that is not a very viable model if you're looking for an exit because you're currently running on funds that are going to expire. But I know the Web Jam is a good product. I think the other thing is that you need to... Um, to really make it differentiate in some way, and I know that it does, but it's that differentiation and niche approach to a, a, a project. I was just wondering if you guys are building on us, the social networks providers, and we are building on you, the mobile you know, think, services providers, and then the,
3: the model is a bit risky. I think there's
8: loads of ways we can collaborate. Hi. Hi there. I feel a little bit like can a gate crasher to the your party. Oh, uh, uh, Pete added here in. I'm a solicitor. Right. I... I feel a little bit like a gatecrasher to the, to the party because um, my my question s- seems a little bit uh, not in the spirit of um, of what you know what everyone's doing. But uh, what does the panel think are the main dangers or, or pitfalls, if any, of having so many providers of geolocation technology? <laughs> um, for example, uh, I think I should be particular. Uh, geographic boundaries that may be in dispute um, or privacy issues such as if I took a picture of a, a very famous lady on my mobile phone and, and then I posted it on the web and the, you know and one of these websites paid for it, paid a lot of money for it. The speed of that, that happens is significant, and uh, mistaken identity, misappropriation of identity, uh, data protection.
2: Um,
8: has anyone have you given is think there that's anyone yeah, yeah. I think that's okay enough. so okay,
2: um yeah. I'll, I'll deal specifically with the uk at the moment in terms of legislation that's that's around location in the uk and also how that impacts other things as well and i think you'll be able to talk more about Definitely taking should. photographs there's the interesting and, um,
5: thing about china and lbs actually it's just a really quick one a friend of mine was I'm doing sorry, a project I'm out Sorry, in sorry sorry thank you very much you, you, geographical boundaries i thought i was getting in there well, China is just a weird one because you can't actually say where things actually are. So his service was a video service which had an LBS component which would then say, hey, look, I just posted a video on my way to the Olympics and this is where it was. But because there are these like bridges and stuff which are military objects, they couldn't actually do that. So they had to write an algorithm which would take the actual location and then just screw it up by a margin either way. So you'd, you wouldn't, it wouldn't actually be where it was. It would be within 50 meters any other direction or 100 I can't remember but as far as LBS and geography that's, that's the best same, example the, I
4: GPS, think the ori- original GPS actually had the same obfuscation algorithm and a GPS was a correction okay
1: thank you
4: in, in
2: the UK I mean it, if you're there are quite a few different ways of now being able to ascertain the location of a, of a handset and the, the one which we started off using was actually going through the operators and saying what is the current location of this handset um, now, if you want to get that license, you have to get, jump through a lot of hoops to be able to get through the operators for them to be able to be satisfied that you're not just going to get the location of a person and just randomly publish it without them knowing it. Um, I think the problem with lo- if we have with location at the moment is, is that it, it really is in the hands of the person which is actually you know, finding out their location and what they do with that information. Um, I think... I. I may be one of the only people who talks about this in location services, and that I think that actually we need more regulation in location and, and what we actually do with it as well and how people can actually share the location. And we, t- we need to know what our boundaries are. What, what are we allowed to do? Do we have to basically um, make it a little bit fuzzy? Do we have to say, well, actually, this person isn't on this street. They're actually in this town or they're, they're in this city. And there isn't enough information out there for us to be able to actually say, well legally this is what we have to do or legally we should be doing this as well and it, it is a bit of a minefield at the moment um, but I think most people in the location services industry will, will say that once we have your location it's up to the end user who's using your service to be able to say what they want to do with it and how accurate they want that location to be as well I think location based services uh, companies try our best to, to give the user the option and that comes down to privacy as well I think most location-based services companies allow the, the privacy option basically saying that you know, if you have a list of people who are your friends on that social network, who do you actually share that with? Do I block my location from you know, my girlfriend for tonight for one reason or another? Um, you need to have those options in there. People need to feel like they have control. So it's, it's the Facebook um, syndrome, basically, is that most you know, everyone can say who can see what on Facebook, if they're your friends or not. Most people don't use those features, but those features have to be there for the person to be able to control what you're you're doing with the information and where you're actually sending it as well.
1: I think you made some very, very interesting points there, but just on the same question of being a lawyer and social networking, what about Alfie and um, Roy? Isn't it easy to add naughty content to your social networks how do you deal with that and defamation
3: i was just going to add something about um user-generated content actually because we, we took counsel on both sides of the atlantic on, on this and um, the advice that we was given in the uk differed totally to the advice that we were given in the us and, and it made it very very difficult for us to draw a line in the sand in terms of what was right and what was wrong and what was acceptable so we went down the lines of a self-policing policy because we've got people around the world. There's always somebody on the site monitoring content. But we leave it down to the users. If, the, if our users complain to us and, um, and report abuse that the content is inappropriate, we take it down. I mean, we've got more of a challenge because it's real time. You know. So somebody could be having sex on the sofa down there, for argument's sake, and somebody could be streaming it from the back of the room. Yeah, and, you know, I'd, I'd you know tell people to get their credit cards out if they want to really see it. But um, you know, we do have to take a view on those types of things. Um, but if people post copyrighted content, if it's the owners of the copyrighted content, we take it down immediately. Um, and then when you look towards the UK again, you know, that there's regulations with uh, with OfTel in terms of push marketing to under sixteen year olds. So anybody that comes to our site to sign up to become a member has to state that they're over sixteen because, you know, people may want to push marketing messages to them eventually. So it's very difficult.
1: And Alfie?
5: Um I, I think that the web tends to find a way to police itself and unless you have enormous problems coming in from, you know, Firecom or whatever, then you're probably gonna be okay as long as you just deal with things properly. Um, self-policing is good. Your community will always want to take part because as soon as you make them a mod, hey, I'm a mod. you know. Um, So I think it'll self-police but where it does become problematic is where you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pages which have got comments and you've got um, each of the users in in any set space can then add their comments based on logged in status or not logged in. And so if that's the case, then moderators might miss a lot of these comments. Google indexes them, then you've got 50 school kids who are gathering around one post going, Mrs. Marple loves to, you know. And so you have this problem of identity where it's being misused where there's an anonymized area. And so as a social network provider, not only are you um, online or on mobile, not only are you um, put in the position where really you have to do something about that content quite fast, but then, of course, Google's cached it. So it's going to show up for a while, and then you have to explain that robots, you know, uh, are going to index it for a while. But ultimately, the web polices itself. Mobile has a whole different slew of privacy issues surrounding it. Again, covered quite well by data protection um, laws, and which we all, of course, subscribe to and pay for. Um, so I don't think that there are any real problems when it comes to copyright, as long as you deal with things as you should. Um, and as far as I know, it's really only Google that are in trouble with Viacom at the moment.
1: There was a, is the guy gone in
5: the back? Hi, Connor from Tattoo,
9: we're a mobile search engine. Um, just in relation to brands and mobile social networks, we spend a lot of our time uh, talking to mobile social networks and by all means there's, uh, there are very few of them out there and I think uh, I would applaud, applaud uh, Roy in uh, going white label in that there's a huge opportunity for brands. So I'd like the panel to discuss what brands should be doing and what agencies should be putting in front of brand managers in terms of what they're going to do in mobile social networking. Um, I think there's a lot of fear, just to, to add to that. I think there's, there's two types of mobile social networks we see. People who are trying to be pioneers and breaking new ground and confusing people with uh, cell-based technology in terms of location-based. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, but right here, right now, there's an opportunity for simple uh, mobile social networks, whether it be one just dedicated to football um, so, I'd like to the panel just to add a few comments around what, what brands, and what, what brands should be
4: investing in mobile social networks. We, we've worked with. Um brands on this this area and I think one of the kind of hot or exciting areas for, for brands at the moment is branded utility or the idea of actually rather than just giving people a dumb marketing message which they can just consume and then sort of ponder that instead you do something useful for people and it's delivered in a branded way. And social networking on mobile is one of those opportunity areas. But for it to really work for the brand I think it needs to fit pretty well with the kind of the usage occasion of people being mobile. So one of the areas we've been looking at into with um, brands, and this is slightly forward-looking, is thinking about the kind of the mini meet-up or the unplanned sort of social a- a event where location can play a part to actually be the trigger to get people together. And maybe a beer um, brand could add, you know, don't give a voucher to people. And so if you're kind of leaving work... And your mobile phone through this system can tell that two of your friends are leaving work at the same time. It will recommend a, um, a bar for you to all go and meet in um, and give you an offer to get a free first round or something like that. So I think those kind of examples of branded utility will be pretty useful, whether or not they can exist as their own social network or whether they have to piggyback off somebody else's. I'm not sure. I think that you probably need the critical mass of an existing social network for those types of things to work well. Anything um, else? Yeah. Yeah, uh,
5: Connor, nice to see you here. hope you're well. Um, I think the thing is, to answer your question in a way slightly differently to Harry, I think, because I think your, your answer was a little bit about what is possible. Because I mean, I just I can't imagine that happening now. Um, But I think what should be happening now is that agencies should be um, putting forward a person who is the mobile um, go-to person who has to learn all about mobile and who has to start actually thinking about how to integrate mobile into agency pitches. Because every client that's now talking to either a digital agency or a PR is looking for some kind of a mobile element. And so there should be people within these agencies who understand mobile, and there really aren't that many. So when it comes to simple mobile operations, well, I mean, even crappy browsers on a mobile will understand good WAP, right, or XHTML. You can do a lot with that. You don't have to go through the Java process of trying to get applications installed, nor do you have to get... Symbian or multiple applications created. You can get people onto the mobile web and you can do it through the ways that we've been engaging people on mobile forever, through SMS. You know? So I think I don't know if that answers your question from what I think agencies should be doing, but I think they should be educating their clients as to the possibilities that mobile presents in a way which encourages them to experiment. Because I don't think that a lot of clients are really experimenting the way that they should be now. Um... So,
3: yeah. Yeah. Just following yeah. up on oh, yeah. Alpha, on Alfie's comment there, he's, um, he's absolutely right. I mean, when you, when we talk to the agencies at the moment, they have very limited mobile experience or knowledge. And the vast majority of the opportunities that we've got ranging from, you know, the, the young progressive uh, fashion labels to over 55 holiday clubs yeah you know, they are all direct opportunities that have not come through digital agencies because I still feel especially in in Europe that the digital agencies just don 't get the mobile space at the moment you know we 're getting more traction out of the u s with the mobile guys uh, with the mobile agencies and the ad agencies than what we are over here uh, and I think you know that there needs to be a huge education program that you go through to to pull these guys into the into the new age. Um, You know, when we set up Next to Friends, you know, we had to have something that was equivalent to the more static social networks, but with a mobile twist. Otherwise, we wouldn't get the traction that we've got. And I think it's a very difficult play at the moment because people are still very, very reluctant to pour their money into mobile marketing dollars.
1: I think that's a good point. I think that's a very, very good point. But we have a couple of mobile agencies here. Harry. Hi. No, I know you're from a a mobile agency. I know you're a media planner. And the first comment was, was that it's not possible to make money for mobile advertising. And I'm not, I am picking on you, but do you have a response to the panel on that?
10: Well, I mean, I think, uh, as Connor was saying actually earlier, there are social networking sites that are simple. They make money. And they actually do make money. They make a lot of money. um, Just purely from doing very, very simple mobile campaigns that, yes, you know, the, the the bigger agencies that are looking after the big brands are, are actually starting to use. I mean, to use a, a kind of common example with Strongbow. You know, it was a nice campaign. It worked and they made money. Um, so I think, you know, we can simplify this. I think it's something that, that we as, as Ring Ring Media are trying to do um, is tr- trying to make it easier, easy. So let's not, let's not complicate something that's already complicated to the brands. And I don't think, you know, agency bashing is necessarily what we need to be doing. It's, it's more about... It's, it, you know if I could pitch to brands all day long if they 'd listen you know great' it 's not us it 's them
5: I, I really hope you don 't think I was agency bashing. I really wasn 't no, I mean, I have great relationships, we have great relationships with any number of agencies who do really amazing and want to do innovative stuff, but as a general rule, not a lot of agencies do have that mobile person um, but that 's all I actually wanted to say. I mean absolutely people are making money with with mobile eyes, but what do you think about the idea of um, it being kind of? junk ads like social networking you know
11: yeah
10: i mean i think i think it's just the stage that we're at um it will grow up but then again you go to MySpace or something like that you should see the crappy ads you get on there online so um you know i think social networking space is kind of a redundant space in some respects but it offers scale and it offers reach so it's going to be direct marketing campaigns direct response that kind of stuff but you know when you can tie this stuff in, and I think it's it's all about waiting for the time being right, and then there are going to be these 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 big brands that snap up really funky campaigns that offer reach and then targeted aspects to them because they look at bits in the profile or they look at their location. So I think it's just about um, kind of people sitting on their hands, doing what could, they can do to to keep their company alive and making money. Um, but there's going to be some some fantastic campaigns that come out of mobile social networking. Um, but you know. Who knows, today probably isn't today, but next year, maybe.
3: Uh, you, you, you look at the revenues, though, on, uh, on ad spend. Um, you look at what Facebook are, are, are quoting and MySpace. I think. MySpace are forecasting next year a billion dollars in revenue, and Facebook are forecasting about 400 million. You know, next to friends, we're out fundraising at the moment, and I'm not looking for cash, don't worry. Um, and I've spoken to maybe a dozen VCs over the last four to five weeks. And the vast majority of them have said to us, if you are a pure ad revenue-based model, forget it. We will never fund you in a month or Sundays." So, um, you know, I'm, I'm giving you feedback from being a startup, looking for cash, yeah, going around very well-respected VCs that have got social networking investments who are saying to me, if, if, if you're reliant on the success of your business... Purely based on ad-related revenue streams, you're not going to fly. So, hence why we introduce white labels. You know, tell them what they need to hear. Yeah. Um, Just
2: you're talking about keeping it very, very simple in terms of engaging the, the, you know, end users with the brands. Three years ago, the first client that my company ever had was was Skittles, and we did an extremely simple marketing campaign with Skittles, which basically allowed. Uh, people to be able to post comments to a website via text message and be able to just say what they were doing. It was part of a much wider marketing campaign, but this was a component of it. It was very simple, and it worked extremely well. And it is that absolute simplicity. I don't think... You know, you don't have to say, well, yeah, if you're a brand, then you have to have your own social network, or if you're a brand, you have to engage with a mobile social network just just keep it really simple. I mean, you know, just a simple short code number on the bottom of an advert and that, that's the start of the engagement process that you have with the end user. How you actually use that interaction is, is up to you and that's where the, pe- the mobile people within those marketing agencies have to think out of the box. They have to think, well, you know, what is the engagement? What do we actually want from these people? Do we just want to push adverts down to them or do we actually want to get some real serious engagement from those people? And I think we're not bashing the agencies when we're absolutely not at all you know i love agencies you, you know you were the guys who gave me my first paycheck for christ's sake but just keep it simple and, and people can engage with it the, with their customers they really really can on the mobile and you don't have to think i need to be the next facebook on the mobile phone you just think well what what do we actually want those those people who are using our products to actually do but
4: isn't the problem um that harry it's nice to meet another harry but um isn't Isn't the issue the fact that there isn't the reach? I mean, you said there was the reach, but if there really was the reach and you've got the benefits of this amazing targeting, the one-to-one relationship, yada, yada, and all of that business, then people would start to think much more creatively about how to use the platform. But at the moment, apart from those brands which want to do experimental things, they don't really have the reach, do they?
10: Uh, Sorry, a million users a day, and three billion page impressions are over three billion a month which is a lot of, you know, for, 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 a, for a site that's been running less than a year that's only really started to be promoted in the last few months.
4: Sure, but when, you, months. When, you, if, when you're thinking about the individual, the separate, smaller, mobile, pure mobile social networks, I think that's where the issue is, because completely sure. the, the online mean, social networks which move to mobile, I don't see them having the same, the same issue. Okay. They're um, actually, Harry. they're an enormous
5: <laughs> threat that, you know, these guys are an enormous threat to our ongoing um, uh, life. Similarly, are Nokia's not to bash Nokia, because I'm not, but the Nokias and the operators' own, you know, um, desire to have successful, well-maintained social networking attributes. That's why Nokia have gone off and bought their mapping stuff. That's why they're doing so much on the handset. And it does present a problem for smaller companies, I think.
10: I mean, the, the, the operators are, are also tying up with the Facebooks and the MySpaces because they're the, the, the big... Uh, big companies with the, with the critical mass. Um, but now they're starting to tie up. I've seen Flirtomatic on Portal with a, with a bunch of sites. Um, a, a client of ours, Mobler, a French social networking site, is on, on deck with Bouygues and, and Orange France. So, you know, there are the smaller players that being able to get that reach through through the operator decks. But, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of off-deck as well, and there is off-deck scale. A lot of it is driven by, by social networking sites. So you can kind of have this... Um, joint pollination kind of orgy going on of, of sites linking to sites and I like that exploration that, that users can do on the mobile internet and with, with good handsets coming out now and faster speeds means that people do it more. So it's only, it's only better for everyone. I think social networking sites, some will die out. Yes, it's inevitable. You can't have a hundred social networks in one country doing one thing um, and you know, I don't think it's, it's right to think that Dyson washing machines is going to have a, a Dyson social networking site because people aren't going to talk about Dyson vacuum cleaners and washing machines on a social networking site. But they might talk about it on, on a group on Facebook or on a group on Mobler or MySpace or Fluttermatic.
5: I think it's a good point you raised about um, advertising. People on mobile... they Click! It's what's up next. I'm going to do the next thing. As long as they're bored and they're looking for stuff to do, they will click through, which is why mobile advertising does work, actually.
7: I, I agree
1: with you, Alfie. In fact, I'm going to ask you about your poppy moblog thing you did recently in a minute. But we've got a couple of other questions. But I just wanted to say I interviewed Ring Ring early today, and they said they just booked a million dollars. And for an agency startup in this space, three, four months old, they're saying there's no economic crisis in the social mobile space so there's huge potential still just, and oh sorry, sorry. Just- harry
2: hello Um, Just very quickly, I mean, I was at the Mobile Monday event last night, and we were discussing the economic downturn and how that's actually going to affect the mobile space in in general, not just mobile social networking. And I think a lot of people have to realise is that mobile is still growing at a phenomenal rate compared to any kind of industries that are out there now which are being hit by the economic crisis. So... um, I'm not saying that you know, if you're into mobile you're going to be a millionaire by the end of the year, but it's still something which is growing um, and in different territories as well, not just in the UK, but specifically if you look at developing countries, the growth rate in those countries is absolutely unbelievable. So, um, yeah, don't really be worried about economic downturn at the moment. If, if you're in the mobile and you're... you're not niche, but if you're looking at specific territories that have growth, then there really is something to be said about actually getting into the mobile okay. space.
1: We've got um, two other questions, but the lady's shaking head, saying mobiles not growing. So I have to hear this. Come on.
2: No, it's not. I mean, there's, there, you know, people aren't changing their mobile phones yeah. as much. But if you're talking about subscriber growth in, in say India, for example, I can't, China. I can't. India, China, and, and, and other developing... Well, China isn't a developing country anymore. If you're looking at other developing countries, the sus- subscriber growth in those countries is absolutely astronomical, and people are discovering new things to be able to do on those mobile phones as soon as they get them as well.
1: Okay. Sorry, I'm in a queue with questions, and you'll be third. Um, uh, the man there with the hat on. Hello. Hello.
12: Well, this is more of a comment. Um, I was just saying that one of the... Do you want to say who you are? um, My name is uh, Luis, and I'm a strategist for uh, Iris Digital. Um, One of the biggest problems, I think, with uh, mobile advertising is what we call it, mobile advertising, because when we do that, we're creating these expectations based on advertising models. And if we use words like, um, you know, branded content or branded enablement, then we're actually setting realistic expectations for... Uh, what to expect from it. Um, few people can benefit from the mobile advertising, but when um, the gentleman before asked earlier back there, asked about, um, you know, what can brands do to get online, it's more about enablement and uh, creating content. And your ROI is not going to be based on, on revenue for the first part of, of your, your campaign, not until those uh, issues have been settled. So I think we need to do a better job of marketing the marketing of mobile Yeah, I
7: I completely
1: agree with you. Does everyone agree with that? Yeah, and mobile search engine optimization is also a major factor. And man with the red hair. Is it red or blonde? Sorry. From here, it's red.
3: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Leo from Ryan McMillan. We're an agency, so I'm I'm asking, enlighten me, Um, what kinds of engagement might we expect... On the near horizon and what sorts of things can we learn from other markets and um, successful mobile networks like Mixi in Japan, are there things that we could learn from there that might be coming here what should I be selling in uh, Q1 of '09?
5: That's a, a deep question um, I'm not even sure that I can really answer it because I think the culture is so different in Asia, I think um, we're going to find that people start using mobile a lot more from Q1 next year, whether that's because they've moved to a tariff which allows them pretty easy and free access to their web, but ultimately they're still fairly constrained by the portal because of their own use. But I think agencies can, on behalf of their clients, when they're approached to create new environments for whatever campaign it might be, to closely incorporate mobile and market that effectively to users. Because ultimately what you're also doing is creating this database of mobile users. You can market them successively, But I think it's the converge space of both the web and mobile rather than mobile only. I don't think we're at a mobile only necessarily. But when you converge them and use the best of both, then you can get something for the client which presents them with some case studies that demonstrate that mobile can work um, and that there's interesting things that they can do. Um, Yeah, That's my response.
1: Okay, and um, the man over there. No, it's not you with your hand up, the one behind.
5: Um, What's your name? My
0: name is Damien. I feel a little out of place here because um, I'm not from the the money-making world. I'm from the charity sector, and I'm interested in using mobile devices for social good, good. essentially. Well done. My my original question was, I was wondering whether any of you have thought about putting an enterprise model on a tool or a social tool that was mobile-based that would have some social good. Um, But my second question is actually... There seems a lot of um, uh, cliquing. When I look at the social networking, I see it as as in the offline in in the first world, um, on the web, on mobile, and I don't really see any boundaries. And a lot here tonight, I see there's a lot of people talking about mobile being different from the web. And to me, it's all just social networking. So I wonder if anyone could comment on that.
1: Damon, I think you've got a very good question. I just want to answer your question quickly from a journalist blogger point of view. There is one company called um, Uncasoft that creates mobile games for Oxfam. So when you buy the game, 80% of that money goes to Oxfam. So I'd look into them if you're interested in that kind of thing. Now to the panel.
5: Um, Well, just from a Moblog's point of view, we do a lot of work with NGOs, and, I mean, we've done so many different things with Comic Relief. I think for NGOs, getting people engaged from the handset is really useful. Um, We are not a (coughs) mobile-only social networking site. We're very much a vector. Mobile is the vector-based company, and so we use the um, on-device protocols like MMS and SMS and GPRS rather than having onboard applications. Um, And I think that NGOs benefit enormously from this, both from pushing boundaries and thereby getting more press and thereby getting their campaign more widely known, but also from engaging people. Like with Comic Relief, it was like, send in pictures about what you're doing for Comic Relief. Similarly with um, the Poppy Appeal, we just did a mob blog for that. And, um, I mean, from my experience with... Uh, working for charity, it works exceedingly well because people are already motivated to take part. Like, we did um, a moblog for Oxfam, WaterAid, and Greenpeace at uh, Glastonbury, which used, uh, we just had um, uh, AGPS enabled N82s, which then enabled us to then take photos of like where a cash point is, and then that would go up, and so it became a quite useful map, you know. So, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do, but I think again, it comes down to that whole converged web and mobile approach, at least in my thinking. Um, perhaps I'm not purely mobile enough, but... Anyone else? Just
4: on your, your second point, um, you're talking about how is it, just not, is it not just social networking full stop? And I think that from, from my perspective and some of the work we do, out, do is a little bit kind of you know, further out, so three years out in terms of the innovation work we do, but social networking is really, I think, just an innovation in digital communication. Um, and on mobile... I think as we look forward, when we look back to what we're talking about now with social networks getting onto the mobile phone and sort of sitting on top of them slightly clumsily, I think, you know, three years out, it's not going to feel like that. It's going to be far more integrated. And that's not to say that mobile network operators are really going to be driving the innovation. I can't really see that happening. But mobile um, as a platform, the easier it becomes to build to that the more closely the social networking type of communication tools will get integrated into the core of the communication experience. Fabulous. Does that make sense?
1: No, it does. It does. Um, thank you. And we have your number three. We have a question from the lovely young man in the middle there. We, oh, I forgot you. I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I didn't see your face. I didn't see your hands. Sorry.
11: Hello. Um, hi. Uh, Jez from Glue London. Um, Just building actually on what Damien said here, um, I'd be really interested to know what the panel think are going to be the key drivers from the consumer's perspective on actually engaging with social networking because everyone's talking a lot about brands and sites and monetization and advertising, but actually... I'm really concerned that there's a ton of barriers that consumers see in front of using mobile. Their cost, access, speed, usability, navigation. I could keep going on, but I won't bother. But I think you get the point. Um, For a lot of the people in here... The reason we're all doing it is because we're in the industry. And, you know, doing text updates to your status on Facebook is really easy because that's a really simple cost equation. It's part of my 1,000 texts I get free. But anything beyond that becomes a really expensive cost or an implied cost. You know, putting photos up there, sending videos, all these kind of issues are really kind of important. And I think that they, they are the point that separate the web from mobile. And I just... Like to know what everyone thinks are going to be the kind of tipping points to stop this kind of occurring because networks like Orange are saying free Facebook updates, but really that just sounds like a bit of a trite kind of you know sort of opportunity for to bring some people on board, and it doesn't really feel like the way to break this down.
3: Yeah. Roy? I, th- I think that's a really good point, Jess. Actually, you know when you look, yeah, you know, I've, I've just been out and bought uh, bought the new iPhone. You know, something I've wanted for a while. Waited 3G version came out. Get unlimited data with O2. It's great. Yeah, but there's very few other networks that you can really embrace to, to, to keep a cost, uh, the, the costs under control. So I think that's one prohibiting factor. I think one of the other ones is um, how do you get the uh, the app onto the handset? You no, know, do you go to the, the network providers or the handset manufacturers to preload? That's really difficult. People tell you to go to the handset manufacturers. That's not the case. It's the networks that dictate what goes on those handsets unless they go into a pure retail environment. So you've got to make it easy for the consumer to be able to download, install, and use the app. And that's been a really, really painful process that I've lived for about 14 months now. We still haven't got it right. Yeah. Um, and I think as, but as, the app
1: store is easy.
3: The, the app store is easy. Getting in there is is not all that easy. You know, you've got a verification verification process to go through, and you know, if you don't meet it, resubmit and resubmit until you get it right. So, you know, I'd, I've looked at the app store time and time again, and uh, you know, we're, we're we're back in that process again now. And the people that have been successful in getting inclusion in the app store have seen phenomenal growth in their business. So, you know, distribution of the app is 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 absolutely key, and making sure that the networks that uh, that, that, that are in the geographical regions that you work in can support um, the data models that, uh, that the consumers are looking for. Uh, but for me, it's, it comes down to two things. And it's all about usefulness and the value that the consumer can derive from using your network and using using your applications. You know, if it's just a case of, I want to tell people what I'm doing and I want to keep in touch with family and friends, that's okay. But if they can really save money... and and really take advantage of some value-added options that have been pushed to them by retailers and and brands, then I think that's when they're more inclined to use it. And I think it's the brand's responsibility to make their consumers aware that they can save money by using these type of applications.
1: Justin? Yes. Yeah, do you have a comment?
3: Um, I think,
2: uh, yeah, if if you look at the iPhone, the, the... the app store is, has been a great success for, for Apple specifically. I mean, the, the amount of money they've made out of basically doing nothing apart from giving a channel down to, for application developers to the end users is phenomenal. Um, if you then look at Android, BlackBerry, Windows Mobile, Nokia has also got their download services as well. They're, they're, they're starting to make channels uh, for applications developer to, developers to be able to push applications down to the, the handsets. I think the the issue you have is, is that you've got maybe five or, or six potentially different companies around the world which will end up controlling all access to the end users. Um, and that's quite concerning actually because if you look at the app, Apple's terms and conditions, when if you're a developer and you're submitting an application, if your application in any way competes with anything which is pre-bundled on the iPhone, like if you wanted to develop a new mail application, you're not going to get included. There is no way that you'll ever get included in the application store. Whereas traditionally, it's kind of like it's good and bad. Traditionally, you could release an application and potentially push it down off deck. But everyone is now going to say, "Well, if I want an application from my Nokia phone, I'm only ever going to download that application through the Nokia download service.
1: Justin, is that true? Because I'm sure there's two or three mobile barcode downloadable applications.
2: Yeah, there may well be. That, that, that's fine. But w- what we're talking about now is that whereas the, the industry previously, when you actually had an application that you wanted to push down to a handset, you would traditionally go off deck. You'd say, go to this website, download an application onto your phone, and install it. Now, if somebody's looking for an application which does X, Y, or Z, then they'll click on the App Store icon. They click on the BlackBerry icon uh, to be able to download an application because that's the only way that they see that they would be able to get an application for their handset. Right. I'm not... Sorry,
5: Um, Well, I I kind of understood your question differently. I mean, the way I understood it was that people are really afraid of actually accessing the web, that they uh, don't quite know what it is to expect when they do or where they're really going. So bundling something like Facebook with an orange package is all well and good, but ultimately, like you say, it's a complete red herring. So I think there are two things. The first is that the operators have to have a much more bullish approach to including data tariffs as standard up to a large amount, like a gig, you know? within their 25- and 35- and 30-pound packages. Because ultimately, it's the only way people will ever get over the bill shock that they've experienced in the past. And it's an enormous problem um, getting people to actually use their handsets. The other is that we shouldn't just blindly assume that people want to do this. There is research that shows that, of course, people want to use the mobile web, they want to do things, they want to use their handsets, stuff, and they are capturing content. But ultimately, there are sometimes a lot easier ways to do things. You use your computer for most of them. And so at Moblog, we've gone through that process a little bit of going, well, actually, maybe we kind of got it wrong and thinking that people are just going to be a dime a dozen. Everyone's going to want to send via MMS to their Moblog. It's just not the case. But the operators are the bottleneck. And it's not that they're not working hard. They are, but they're, you know, huge hulking organisms that move very slowly. But I think that the introduction of base tariffs that are included in, you know, base... Um, uh, unlimited data internet access has been included in a lot of tariffs. Three have been pushing that very hard. Blick do quite well as well in their, their youth um, MNO. And that's the way it has to be. It has to be driven from the operator. There's not a lot that service providers can really do.
7: Okay,
1: so think, we've got can, three can I questions. I just
4: add, add one last thing yeah. on that point? Which two is that
1: seconds or two minutes. It's going to be hard to
4: do two yeah. seconds. But yeah. Yeah. we talk to consumers yeah. quite a lot about how they use mobile web. The thing which is completely driven mobile web take up based on my kind of qualitative research is the existing online social networks and the fact that people really, if they adopt them well, they need to follow the communication because it becomes equivalent to their email and sometimes their primary communication tool. So I think it really has driven mobile web dramatically. And so then the combination of things which needs to fall away are the kind of the high tariffs, um, then the user experience is continuing to improve as devices like iPhone come out. And it's really the kind of return on investment from an individual's perspective. Is it worth me dicking around, installing this app, fiddling around with this little WAP form to get the benefit that I need? And I think we're moving in the right direction.
1: Harry, you make a very good point. So, who has... your number four, Connor, and you're number five, but I'm, I'm going to go back here first. But who has a mobile data tariff? Okay, so a lot of people have mobile data tariffs already. So, man with the white hair. Oh, no, sorry. That, no. The, him. But I, he looked at me upset. I didn't want to upset you. I'm sorry.
2: Sorry, I haven't gone that bad. Um, <laughs> right, okay, well, actually, funny enough, um, David Roberts, UK Trade and Investment. Now, um, nothing to do with trade or investment or whatever. Um, probably half the population now is that, is that working? Yes.
8: Half the population now is probably getting towards 50 and plus. How
2: do we engage using this fantastic tool, the social networking, to get to benefit society as we get older? And you alluded to the fact about WAP, you know, are you
11: really going to spend time loading bits on? How, how, how do you think uh, social networking can actually make it simpler for people to use? Very
1: good point.
4: Um, well, again, we've done kind of work in this area. I think that um, one of the advantages for mobile devices if, they're, um, if they target a niche is that you can create quite a nicely integrated um, experience for people. And so one of the things we've been looking at is whether a mobile device could have a social network tool integrated very high up within the user interface so that for somebody who's less tech-savvy in your family, for example, you might give them that device, and then you would use your normal interfaces to the social network to communicate with them. So rather than saying to your grandmother, this is the URL, create yourself an account, this is the login details, create a bookmark, Um, instead you just give them this device, and you'd pre-set it up for them, and it would um, you know, create the link that way.
1: Harry, I think that's uh, a very good point. I'll just tell you how I did it for my mother, and it's called Bollywood Content. My mum, I gave her so many phones. I've been in mobile 15 years. Never. I put a picture up of Amita Bachchan, who's this Indian god from the old days. Well, he's not a god, he's just a good-looking guy. My mum has embraced mobile and Indian mobile content can be made who was number two was it you with the long hair it was no it's black hi
13: um james from uh, engage group Uh, strategist um i was really interested in what harry was saying you nearly answered the question when you were talking about i mean i love i love my iphone you know the last few things that have gone on for um the last couple of years for, for a lot of us really are facebook myspace Social networks, we've suddenly got over that hump where everybody seems to be, could be using them and they're used on mass to you know remarkable extent. And I've got three three G access on the internet on my phone in my pocket, on me, yeah. Um, and I suppose the question was originally phrased like this: You know, are we are we at the end or are we at the beginning? In the sense that you know, you were talking about these wonderful things that are happening, and all of a sudden Facebook is now on, I've got the Facebook widget on my iPhone. It's very clunky, and when I go on, it's not quite, you know, what I'd expect on if it was on my laptop. Um, do you think that those, the sort of social network phenomenon is predicting what is really happening personally to us with phones? Or do you think that it hasn't happened yet? And if you like the social networking the MySpace, the Facebook is the peak of what happened before they came into our pockets and there's something now that we're waiting for that is going to emerge out of this uh, confluence of, of mobile and internet in your pocket and something that we don't know, yet know. Um, my senses were right at the beginning, what, what do you think? I, I agree. I can d- I everyone
1: don't... try everyone can go for it but everyone try and go for a minute and a half because we've got four more questions okay. and I want to get them all.
3: I don't think uh, MySpace and Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn have a real clear value proposition in the mobile space. I think they'd love to have one, uh, but they haven't worked it out yet themselves. Um, I think the niche mobile social networks are probably going to lead the way, and you'll probably find that the larger, more static online sites will go on an acquisition frenzy for the mobile guys to really enhance their service because otherwise they're not going to get there. Um, you've got to remember that handsets are becoming more and more sophisticated, networks are becoming quicker. You know, what you hold in your pocket in years to come, your phone, um, will be just as powerful as what you've got on your desktop. So I think we're just absolutely right at the start.
1: Thank you. Um, Harry?
4: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I think that it's kind of a a bit annoying the way that you always have to reference iPhone. I mean, not you, me as well. Um, But things like accelerometers in the device, completely rethinking the user interface to be appropriate to that device and then thinking about how the device can understand things and take passive inputs to do with location but also to do with you know time of day, not to do a pretty obvious thing and also the direction you're travelling. These things can make the user interface much, much easier and I think that we're just at the very dawn of that.
1: Very good. Um, uh, Alfie?
5: Uh, I have a saying I like to bash out, which is that it's not the second coming, it's just a sign when talking about the iPhone, because it just pisses me off. It's in, on one hand, it's a necessary evil, because it introduces things like an application store, which makes browsing the web easy, which makes using applications easy, which brings it into, into a consumer behavior. But ultimately, it's taken the mobile handset industry back three years to when things were all bloody locked to operators, and you couldn't actually get on deck. So you know, it's a necessary evil. It'll be interesting to see what Nokia do and also Samsung and people like that, like LG as well, who are also playing on this side. is,
13: for many years, I see my computer moving into my pocket.
5: Absolutely. And just to just to kind of comment on your future question, I completely agree with Harry's kind of future thinking. It's going to be amazing what these mobile devices really mean, but that's when we're in a completely web three converged always-on, ubiquitous connectivity environment, which is going to be five, ten years away, whatever.
1: Justin, before we get to you, who has an iPhone here? Hands up, please. Yes! Who has an N95? (laughs) So there's more N95s. Okay. Justin?
2: Um, Just going away from mobile social networking, really, because I think we do have to think about the the entire mobile experience. Um, I think I'm going to reference the iPhone because I think it has it really has changed the mobile industry, and I don't think there's anyone who can dispute that. Really, is that people now, if you look at any Apple advert which is on the TV, and they say it's the internet on your phone, and you know, you, you, I sit there with people who aren't in the industry who just look at that and go, wow, actually, it just looks like a normal website on the mobile phone. People are now expecting that they can actually get that experience on the mobile phone. You then start looking at things like near-field communication, so basically an Oyster card in your mobile phone for mobile payments and things like that. You, you're going to start seeing, you know, just quickly, it is the start. This is absolutely the start of a mobile revolution and, and how people are looking at the mobile revolution, mobile experience and what they should be doing with it. I, I think the whole mobile experience is going to help people uh, a lot more than just saying, well, if I want to send an email, then I've got to sit down at my laptop, and then I've got to send the email and then send it. Well, now you can do it on the mobile phone. It's as easy as sending a text message on, say, the iPhone, for example. Um, if you then start thinking about personalization of the experience you have on the mobile phone as well, you know, take location, for example. Well, if my mobile phone knows that I'm usually, I, I'm usually in London because it can look at my calendar, and it'll say, well, I'm usually in London, and it looks like I'm, I'm generally interested in sushi around about lunchtime, then maybe should it start recommending sushi places to me, or should it start recommending vouchers to me as well? And these are things which are, you know, we're not talking about 18 months in the future, we're talking a couple of years in the future, but that's the power the mobile phone actually gives to the end user, and, and, and that's what it's up to people service providers the operators and the handset manufacturers to actually then say to, to the people who buy a mobile phone that yes it's an entire experience in your, in your hand it's not a PC in your hand it's an experience and we're going to help you and, and I think it's the start of that and we're going to see it happening year after year after year you know Facebook will still be around in a couple of years I, I pretty much guarantee it the amount of money that's been sunk into it um, but I, I think what you can actually do with a mobile phone will just enhance everybody's life it really really will
7: Thank you. Um,
1: uh, Lovely necklace, lady. I'll grab this mic. (laughs) Uh, My name's Kate Cooper. I'm from the digital training company. Um, We touched on a couple of times, actually, about education. Um, And I work with brands and agencies to try and educate them in the digital space. And I wanted to know, I know what people are telling me they want to learn about. I wanted to hear from the panel. What would you like people to be told about and educated about? Because we're all about growing digital through developing digital talent. Um, And that's what I'm interested in. Does everyone
3: again, keep it peppy. Uh, from a consumer's perspective, I think it's it's worthwhile yeah. making sure that people understand what they can absolutely absolutely do with their mobiles. You know, we're not living in a a static age anymore, and you know, there's still too many people around this world that just use their mobile for for calls. You know, and I think it comes back to the gentleman's point earlier about you know what do the over fifties do with their mobiles? You know, I know what my father does. I know what you know my uncles do and things like that, and all they do is make, make calls from them, send the occasional SMS. You know, I think from an educational perspective, we've still got a long way to go to educate the masses that a mobile handset is much more than uh, a device for making voice calls.
4: Um, I don't know. I don't have a very strong opinion about this, but I, I suppose that I feel as though people should be doing quite a lot of experimentation at the moment on mobile that they should be realistic about the results that they get. Because I know lots of companies um, that have tried to do things on mobile and they kind of get this paucity of usage and then they kind of think, oh, shit, that was a waste of time. But in fact, I think that there are barriers to getting good usage figures at the moment which are going to go away. So, you know, we talked about the on-deck, how important it is to be on-deck. It sort of seems amazing that that's still important, but it is. Um, But over the next two years, that's going to kind of dissolve. So people should be kind of building their skills in terms of how to create a good user experience on the mobile device because things will get better soon.
5: Alfie? Uh, Yeah, what's happening in broadcast is that everyone from... You know, someone who works in lighting to a journalist has to start thinking 360. And I mean, that's just happening to all the broadcasters. And it's a similar thing which should be happening to all of us as well. And um, I don't think that, just to reiterate what I've said a couple of times already, I don't think that you should necessarily go mobile only all the way. I do believe that there is great value in experimenting with converged web and mobile first. Because you learn the lessons, you write the case studies, you get the figures, and then you know better how to implement things for mobile. Um, and there's so many things you can do. I mean, God, there's just a uh, there's so many amazing case studies out there to draw from already. Thank you, um,
2: Justin. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think it's just about what can you do on the mobile phone. You know, being able to browse the internet on the mobile phone is is, is an important thing. It's an impressive thing as well for for consumers. Um, I, I think. <laughs> it's not just about education, really. I think it's the operators as well. They need, they need to realize that, you know, the operators are losing money. Well, not losing money, they're not making money, let's put it like that. And the way that they're going to start making money above sending text messages and, vo- and voice calls is to be able to have services which are built on the internet. And I think the, op- the operators are now coming around to this. You know, they are dropping their data rates um, and they are providing services on top of the internet as well to be able to have some value add. Um, I think the operators genuinely need to make more of an effort to actually educate people that, you know, you can use the internet on the mobile phone, you can have a better experience on the mobile phone by then just sending a text message or a picture message. And I think it's the operators and and service providers as well who have a responsibility to be able to do that. one of the first services that we, we actually developed, we had a short code, like a four-digit code that people could send messages into. And the biggest problem that we had was that people thought if you're sending a message into a short code, it was going to cost them £1.50. And I hope there's nobody from Jamster in here, because if they are, I want to hunt you down. But um, <laughs> they, they absolutely destroyed that industry for us. You know, the simplicity of being able to send something into a four-digit text code was absolutely brilliant from a, from a, a user experience, but they actually destroyed that. Um, And, you know, we didn't charge anything. You sent the message in, we wouldn't charge you. It wouldn't be a premium rate SMS. Um, And so I think the whole industry has to educate the consumers, not just service providers or the operators. Everyone has to make a concerted effort to say that actually there are extra services you can use here because it's going to be beneficial for the entire industry and not just for one person or the operator or somebody else.
1: I hope that answers your question. Um, uh, Who was number four? I know Connor was number five. Young man. Over there.
0: Hi there. I work
10: for a television production company, and um, TV industry sort of just um, discovering this whole multi-platform thing going on with phones especially, and you touched already on how broadcasters need to think 360. Um, So I'll keep it short, but are there any sort of case studies that we can look at? There's stuff like Channel 4 did with skins and things like that, but... Um, could you give us a few examples?
5: Yeah, um, a very good case study for, uh, well, two good case studies for broadcasts, both from Channel 4, although I know that there are some good BBC ones. Um, the first would be the embarrassing bodies. So embarrassing bodies, of course, was all about, you know, horrible genital warts and stuff, you know. So not something that you generally want to look at, perhaps, on a PC where your wife's going to walk up behind you and go, God, is that where I got those? Um, but they made astonishing um, inroads into providing a text to download video service for all of the different ailments that were on the show. So you just text in what you wanted to see, we'll deliver you a, a link which you download the content from. And so they had, I think, within the first three hours of the uh, broadcast going out, 55,000 downloads to mobile, which is a tremendous amount. Um, another good... Case study, I suppose, is one I can share with you if you like it 's it 's a, it's a, plat, it's a uh, platform install we did for Channel Four called the Big Art Mob, which is for their big art project, which it launched a year before the broadcast, so that what they did was build up a community of people engaged with capturing public art as they saw it around the country on their mobile, sending it to the web, and then having both a mobile website environment as well as an online. So they built this community up in advance of the show and won a bunch of awards for it because of their foresight and that kind of thing.
1: But also, mobile, mobile TV isn't new, and there's case studies from about three years ago in Italy for a show called 93 Minutes, or, you know, 93 Minutos, which was a football show, which has been a benchmark for other... Um, uh, providers around the globe, basically it was ninety three minutes of a football show every Sunday at five o 'clock, and it was just as hugely um, uh, hit on as primetime time TV um, because they had like famous people they had all the top goals and it was a TV production unit that you know at that time about two and a half three years ago it was uh, it was the the, the starting point. Was it
8: right
1: Novento Tresme. Uh, you Novento know, Tresme. You know, I can speak Italian, but it just wasn't coming then. It's all these glasses of wine that I've had in front of me. Sorry. Um, now, anyone else wants to answer that question? Or should I go to... Oh, we've got number six now. Should I go to number five? Number five. Connor.
9: T- thanks, Bina. I'm only a number in your life. <laughs> just a, a quick quick point. At uh, Tap2, I guess we're doing a lot of research into what users... But both surveys uh, on our search engine... To the users that are coming to it and also interviewing some of the mobile social networks we're working with. One little snippet, we have a report on that coming out in early '09. so um, that'll keep us busy. But one snippet that's coming out of it is that the mobile, mobile web users, their primary access point is the mobile. So I think at times in, in listening to the, the great brand debate and where the money goes, um, it, people are being a little, a little bit myopic in, in seeing that Um, they're thinking of themselves in in that they've reasonably well-paid jobs, they've iPhones, etc. A lot of the users of mobile web are quite disconnected. They don't have an iPhone. They would aspire to having one. They don't don't have a a notebook. Globally or UK? Sure. Globally, even UK. So uh, talking to people who are running mobile social networks, they're saying it's taxi drivers, it's nurses, it's doctors, it's people who cannot access the web at work but want to stay connected, want to feel loved, I want to get messages from people and I want to be entertained in those moments where they're in the canteen whether we're at the hospital and they just want to ha- have some fun and a bit of escapism.
1: Connor, I completely agree with you just on uh, we got in some Pol- Polish builders and it was my first actual real-time experience of people using social networking in my house on their phone addicted you know to this community that I'd never even thought of they existed. I know it sounds really ignorant from a journalist, blogger p- perspective, but it's true. You know, we have our youth and our adult and our, you know, OAP kind of, you know, generic terms. But these people were... Th- th- all they had was their mobile device. So I think that's a very good point.
9: Just, just, being a, just to finish on that, I, I mean, w- we'd welcome, obviously, uh, an opportunity for uh, an agency or people who understand the whole... On the, on the branding side or an advertising side, for, to try and se- segment social media to see uh, within mobile... Um, who, who's using it and uh,
1: who's segmenting social media here? Yeah.
2: Oh, no, I just, I mean, I'll come back to that in a second, but just, talking about tap to, I mean, you know, you are you're essentially the port, you're, you're allowing yourself to be a portal to be a mobile discovery device, basically, aren't you? I mean, people can basically go to Tap2 and say, well, I want exactly. to find song lyrics, um, you know, I want to do a blog mobile search. search engine. So w- search.
9: W- yeah. w- within entertainment.
2: Yeah, so I mean, and and it works really, really well. I mean, you don't have to have an iPhone. You just type in what you're looking for, and and that's it. I mean, and it's really interesting that it's all about discovery. I mean, people want to discover new things on their mobile phones. If I'm on the bus and I'm bored out of my brain. I've checked my email, I've logged into Facebook and I've still got another half an hour until I actually get to my destination. Then I want to start discovering things. I want to be able to be fed things. And this comes into the social aspects as well. I want, to be rec- I want people to recommend things to me, but I want people who are like me to recommend things to me as well. So things that I know I'm going to be interested in. Um, and I think that kind of segmentation of information which is out there, you know, ignoring location or, or, or anything else, it, it, it's really interesting to see that recommendations on the on the mobile based on maybe my friends or just recommendations from other people is something which is actually going to grow i think a, a lot over the next couple of years so uh, uh, we don't have to just pigeonhole ourselves in saying it's a social network on a mobile phone i think the social aspects of a search engine is something search engine or discovery is actually very very interesting
3: yeah i think f- following up on that and you, when when we've drilled down onto the demographics of our user base we found that in the early days it was the Stereotypical techie male that was using it, thought it was cool, something to fun play around with. And then we had a younger generation of people coming on and a lot of aspiring uh, filmmakers who were doing short films using their mobile because, you know, they'd, they'd seen, um, you know, J.J. Abrams come out with uh, with his films. They'd seen The Blit Witch Project, you know, both shot on camcorders. But nobody had really done anything that we were aware of in terms of the mobile handset. So there's a bunch of, um, of young producers out there now that are doing short films and you know short films originally was sort of 15 minutes or less they're they're extending those out slowly We've seen a bunch of people coming from a retail environment doing um, a social shopping play. So, you know, you want to buy a new shirt, you're not sure if it's for you, you'll take a photograph of it, you'll upload it in real time, and you'll get a vote, you know, should I buy this striped shirt to come to this event tonight, Connor? And the answer would have obviously been no. But, you know, there's a load of different things that, you know, carrying on from what Justin's just said it's not just about exploration these days it's about sharing and gathering opinions and being connected to people whilst on the move oh sorry i was uh, sorry.
1: i was i was using your own product next to friends there i was good. i was
5: yeah are you kind of saying that there's like a really great opportunity for people to create services that really cater towards these demographics that are that a- absolutely,
9: it's the most evident. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. 12 years in marketing. It's the most evident chal- channel I've seen. The most underserved in terms of uh, an audience. That I mean, I, I, there's a, I see the, uh, one of the, the development team here from Flirtomatic. I'm aware that they put the voucher for Strongbow Live without telling their users, and they went back in to check it, and there was 20,000 vouchers and it disappeared. So this yeah. audience, well, they're, they're thirsty they like cider <laughs> and they don't work all work in the city and drinking down perignon obviously so it, you know it, that's maybe well, theoretically would like to talk about yeah that. i
5: mean it's it's a, it's a great comment for the evening i mean there's so many opportunities um, the other thing i'd say is that generationally things are going to be really different in 10 years the things that we would do and wouldn't do with a mobile people are going to be doing crazy stuff with kids now growing up with them that's probably going to be the most interesting i think what's going to
4: what's going to be different i think it's interesting your your, your comment i mean certainly we i know of lots of people i've spoken to lots of people who use their mobile phone to access their online social network but largely because their work prevents them from accessing it from their their work pc um i'm slightly skeptical about people joining social networks who don't use a PC to access a social network, given that the mobile itself is such a good communication device and has a contacts list. I'd be surprised if that many people would invest the time in getting enrolled in a social network, which is mobile. They do. Yeah, I think, but, I I mean, think, think this is about to point, I guess... ...about how big it can get.
9: I can talk in the bar. But, I mean, one of... It's my.com, um, a company we've recently partnered with, with they, one of their fastest-growing bases in Hungary there are people in villages that haven't even heard of broadband but have mobile phones mm-hmm. and they're going online onto a social network and chatting to people in munich in paris and wherever i think that's just amazing um,
1: yeah, i completely yeah. agree with you connor and lovely man with a moustache we have to leave it there but everyone look at him and i've been told to stop i've been i've been told to stop it's a very go on then if i it's a, I'm sorry, but other man hand, man. will have to wait. <laughs> <laughs>
7: just,
6: um, just shout the question. Just
1: shout the question. Through.
6: I I, I, work for Iris. I to From who? I work for Iris. 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 I to not... we're, we're launching two social networking handsets next year. Yeah? I'm a firm believer that you
5: should only go to consumers with one message. So if we're talking to consumers about the real benefits of social networking on your handset... Can I ask all of you, what's the one single thing that you would put as a message out to consumers?
1: One word answers. That's, yeah, we can
5: only tell them one thing. You've got ad space. You know how, you know, you know how quick the uh, advertising
3: messages need to be. Share your life in real time.
1: Okay.
4: Yeah, I'm, mine's not so pithy, but I think it is about consuming information from your friends as if it's like the news or something like that. Very That's what I'll give you. Be
7: there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not as sexy as what Alfie just said, but uh, producing and consuming um, information and sharing with your friends, I mean, and just making it really simple. I mean, if you're working with Sony Ericsson, then this should be a way of being able to get really tight integration with the phone. Just make it really, really simple for people to be able to use it, because at the end of the day, you know, your social network's on your mobile phone, so let them share stuff with those people that are in their mobile.
1: Okay, well, I would love... Well, I've had a lovely time, and I would love everyone to give a huge round of applause to the fantastic panel.
0: Chinwag Live, Moso Rising, at the Slug and Lettuce in Soho, London, on 11th November 2008, was a Chinwag production sponsored by the UKTI. For more information, please visit www.live.chinwag.com.